Hey, I'm Steve, and welcome to the podcast today, Stuff with Steve. And I'm in here with Taylor Palson doing the sound, the technology, and opening the door, making some noise right now, is the amazing Kalia Washington as she smirks coming into my office today. Taylor, how are you? I'm doing great, Steve. How are you? Hey, I'm terrific. I'm just kind of tired today, though. Just yeah. I got up today at uh, 5, and... Because I volunteer as a police chaplain, I was down at the police department to sit in on a, de- a uh, briefing, and I went to coffee with some police officers just okay. to hang the out with them. shirt makes sense now. Now the shirt makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so that's – so I started early today. That's why I'm tired. Hey, today, Taylor, I thought we would talk about leadership and what makes a good leader. And that's something that I think um, – my theory is that we need – uh, everybody's a leader at something, whether you're um, you might be a coach of eight year olds, you might lead a little team at work or a team at school, or you might need to take leadership of some kind of project somewhere. But it seems like everybody falls into a leadership category somewhere. Would do you are you do you see yourself as a leader? Let me ask you that. Or um, are you having some leadership experiences right now? I would say maybe I get put into a position where I need to be a leader, but I wouldn't say I'm a leader all the time. I, again, like going to what you said, at some point we all get put into a position where we need to be a leader. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think as Christians we have the most fantastic leader of all, Jesus Christ. And so people talk about being servant leaders, and those are leaders who are not overly harsh on people, like uh, dictatorial or what's another word? authoritarian, like, man, it's my way or the highway and I'm going to kick you out and that kind of a leader. But a leader who's has a lot of character and humility and uh, the right level of compassion and somebody who can make decisions and even make tough decisions. So that's a balance, right, as well. So sometimes I think of leadership this way, that uh, you need to have lots of character and integrity, but you got to have competence and skill. So if you lack in character, you're just going to morally fail because you don't have any character. You don't have any basis for moral decisions. Or if you have no competency and a lot of character, you just won't be a good leader. You'll fail at projects. You just won't get stuff done. So you kind of need both. I joked with somebody one day, I just want to have low competency, low moral character. I just have low expectations. But that's terrible to say. I want to have high character and high competency to do that. So when I think about leaders I in the Bible, I think about people like Moses who led 2 million people out of Egypt. That's an incredible thing, right? Or Nehemiah who built the walls around Jerusalem. But I think for Christians, we look to Jesus. So a number of years ago, they uh, an author by the name of, um, gosh, I should know this name, and I got one of his books uh, right here. Ken Blanchard, very famous author, Ivy League professor, wrote a book called The um, uh, Lead Like Jesus. And he had written lots of books on leadership. And then after he became a Christian and started reading the Bible, he said, hey, what I've been writing about with leadership matches— Jesus's life. And then he began to correlate the two and write about this concept called servant leadership. I can be a leader, but I can serve others as well. Okay, I want to read a passage of scripture here. And the context is Matthew chapter 20. It said, Jesus was going up to Jerusalem. On the way, he took the 12 aside and said to them, we are going up to Jerusalem. 
and I will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law, and they will condemn me to death and will hand me over the Gentiles to be mocked, flagged, and crucified. But on the third day, I'll be raised back to life. That's a pretty blunt statement, right? Yeah. Yeah. But then the very next scene, very next in the Bible, is that John and James and their mother came to Jesus and said, Would you let my son sit on your right and your left hand and have positions of authority? To me, that's just like the most insensitive thing you could say. He goes, I'm going to die. And they go, oh, well, that's nice. Can I sit on your right and your left hand? And in that culture, sitting on the right and left hand would be like being the vice presidents of the country, right? They get to be a position of, they get to be big shots. But Jesus just said, hey, I'm going to die. And so it seems rather uh, cold-hearted, if I could call it that way. And then they asked that, and Jesus answered them, and uh, he said this. Well, first off, it says, when the other ten heard them ask for this, they became indignant, is the word. And that means they grew red in the face. That's what that word means. They got angry with those guys. And Jesus says, you know that the leaders, the rulers of the Gentiles, lorded over them. That would be the Roman people. And their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, Whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So I think it's a great model for us because we want to give leadership to things, but we got to serve people too. And I think it's lacking in our culture as well. I, you know, politics, government officials uh, kind of lack that well, probably lack that servant, compassionate leadership, right, across the, the spectrum. But that's, that's not what Jesus uh, talked about. Here's a definition of leadership from a Harvard expert. He said, uh, a leader is one who has followers. An effective leader is not someone who is loved or admired. He is someone whose followers do the right thing. Popularity is not leadership. Results are. Leaders are highly visible. They therefore set examples. Leadership is not rank or privileges, titles or money. Leadership is taking responsibility. So one of the great definitions I heard of leadership is simply this, take the responsibility for the benefit of other people. I kind of like that, Taylor, because we take responsibility for others, but for their benefit, not for my own. It takes you know that selfishness out of the picture when it comes to leadership as well. So... Um, so I got a question for you, Taylor. And uh, so, do you know who Mother Teresa is? Vaguely. Vaguely. So she ran. She was a uh, Catholic nun. She was in India, and she ran, worked in the poorest of the poor areas and slums for for children and so forth. And she was kind of recognized as a world leader when it came to uh, the conditions of the poor. She addressed the United Nations. She talked in with presidents, and, um, you know, that was her area, and people recognized her as a moral authority on, uh, if you want to call it human rights or children and orphanages in India, just those kinds of things. So she was obviously a leader, right? But she was this little five-foot-tall five person, you know, and— uh, not impressive looking, you know, that way, you, you know. 
So she's that kind of leader. And then you have a leader like General George Patton from World War II, who Patton was a, like, slam his fist on the table, and it's my way or the highway, and we're going to beat the other side. He was tremendously successful. They beat the Nazis. But his style of leadership was uh, he would punch soldiers who didn't obey his commands. He got in trouble for that. You get in lots of trouble today for that. So one of the thoughts I had was, a, what's the difference between Mother Teresa-style leadership and General Patton-style leadership? Would it be the situation they were both put in? Could be the situations. Could be their temperaments, right? I think that that that's – and some people might want to be like Mother Teresa, and some people might want to be like General Patton, you know, because of their, their personality. But, but both were leaders, but they both maybe had a different approach to leadership, Right. So that's something that sometimes I've thought about as well. I got some other definitions here of leadership. I like this one. A leader is a person who has the ability to get others to do what they don't want to do and like it. That's from General Eisenhower just before the Normandy invasion. Here's another one. Uh, a leader is a man who knows the road, who can keep ahead, and can pull others after him. Or... Um, a leader is a person with a magnet in his heart and a compass in his head. Kind of like that. A leader is one who knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. Those things. So sometimes I teach classes on leadership and I pull up a whole bunch of uh, quotes about leadership and I ask people which ones they like best. And it's pretty interesting to see what people gravitate to when it comes to leadership definitions. For me personally, I think it's just influence. Leadership is influencing people in a direction. The hardest places to influence others is in volunteer organizations. So I want you to think about this. In a company or the military or something, people follow you because they want to get a paycheck. Right? Yep. Yep. So, uh, but a volunteer organization, like you're volunteering to do these podcasts, you know, you can say, well, I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I'm done. But if you're getting a paycheck and it's your job, you might, well, I can stick it out. <laughs> right? And so uh, leadership in volunteer organizations is incredibly difficult. That's why uh, some management experts say the two hardest places to give leadership to is a hospital, hospital administrators and pastors. Because the true test of leadership is will a volunteer follow you somewhere because they don't have to. It's not like they're getting their paycheck. So they have to be inspired and they have to be willing, willing to uh, follow somebody. They're inspired and they take a practical step in that direction. So here's what I did. I wrote down six things that I thought about how Jesus developed his team. So one, he always taught servant leadership. Hey, the first must be last and the last must be first. Uh, he said, the Son of God did not come to serve, uh, to be served, but to serve others. Uh, we never have the sense that Jesus said, hey, you need to serve me because I'm God. You know, I'm somebody special. Do stuff for me. It was just the opposite for Jesus. He was always saying things like uh, being compassionate, touching the person of leprosy and so forth. So he taught servant leadership. He lived it. Another thing that Jesus did, I think, is very insightful. He deliberately chose his disciples. He chose his team. 
I liken it to football coaches get to choose their own assistant coaches, and he chose the people he wanted to train, and I think that's important. The other thing about Jesus, when he was working with his disciples, he deliberately taught them lessons. And one of the cool things I think of is a story of the, uh, they're out on the boat, and the, and the waves are whipping around, and he's sleeping on the, uh, on the boat. And these experienced fishermen thinks the boat's going down. These are commercial fishermen. And I'm trying to picture in my mind for years, how did they wake him up? Did they gently touch him on the shoulder and, hey, Jesus, are you? can you wake up? Or did they kick him in the shin and go, get up, Jesus, we're about to die. And uh, I think he used those moments, teachable moments. Calm the storm. He said, you have a little faith. So... But I think he always looked for deliberate teaching moments for them. And then he always allowed people to fail the try again. I think that's really important. So if you get a task in a job, uh, you need to be the freedom to fail. The freedom to, hey, I'm going to give that a shot. If that doesn't work, here's plan B. If that doesn't work, here's plan C to accomplish these results. I think it's really important. The other thing Jesus did with his leaders is he cultivated deep relationships with people. John 3.22, it says they were he was spending time with his disciples, and that Greek word spending time means he was, um, it actually means to rub off on it, to imprint something. So he would spend time with them and try to rub off uh, his own character and what he wanted them to learn. So I think really good leaders develop relationships with people. I think it's—and then Jesus passed the baton uh, of leadership to others, which I think is just uh, uh, critical as well. Um, I think the overall foundation—we talked about earlier about character and competency is character is foundation. Honest, integrity, character with leaders is everything. So, yes, today I read in a— about a pastor of a large mega church who is uh, apparently just running roughshod over people in the church, and uh, he's been forced to resign. And he has a history of this from some other churches. And so and he's very popular, and it just reminded me that we don't lord it over people like like Jesus said, as for you, he said to the disciples, we're not going to lord it over people. So character is foundational to leadership. A couple things that I think of when it comes to character is that uh, people who are leaders need to immerse themselves into God's Word. Just really, every day, consistently be reading Scripture and just thinking about God's Word. And then be dependent in prayer. A lot of talented people have high competency trust their competency instead of trusting the Lord. And so what happens is uh, you begin to trust in yourself, and that can lead to disaster as well. Accountability is incredibly important for leaders. I meet every week with the chairman of the board of our church, and it's just an accountability issue. You know, i got to have accountability in my life. How about this one? Every, Every boss has a boss. Every, every CEO has a board. You're accountable to somebody, and everybody has that as well. I think another thing for maintaining character is that leaders will not avoid trouble. They grow through it. 
So we can have trouble come our way, and we can try to avoid trouble, but uh, good leaders will will not avoid trouble, but they grow personally through trouble as well. One of the uh, cliches I like about leadership is that a followership precedes leadership. So for Christians, I think good Christian leaders, they need to learn how to follow Jesus well, and that's a prerequisite for being a good leader. If I can't follow Jesus well, I have no business being a leader. So I think followership precedes leadership. Too many people want to be leaders before they've learned to follow. And I think what that does is new leaders will often make mistakes and have failure simply because they haven't learned to listen to the voice of God. They haven't learned to be accountable. They haven't learned to accept criticism or correction. And when they fail, they take it so personally they can't um, they're just paralyzed by failure. And I think when I think of leadership, I think of all those things that we've talked about. The church today needs a lot of leaders at every aspect of our church, any church. We just need more leaders. And that just means we need to train more leaders, allow people to sit at the leadership table, get more people involved, Uh, assign them leadership, invite them into leadership. Um, Those kinds of things are incredibly important in any kind of church or organization or volunteer organization like Grace Community Fellowship. We just have to have leadership up and down throughout the church at every level as well. So, Taylor, let me ask you a question. When you think of leadership, who in, in, in America is somebody who stands out to you as a leader? Or somebody you know personally, because here's my theory. I didn't give you a chance to talk yet. So one time I'm sitting with a group of high school students, and I said, who is the, who's been the most impactful person in your life? Nobody said a celebrity or a popular athlete or an entertainer. They all said a grandparent or a parent or a sibling or something like that. So Taylor, let me ask you that question then. Who's had the most impact on you as a leader? Uh, that would have to be my dad. <laughs> so, okay, great. Yep, you were completely right on that. And why your dad? Um, brag him up a little bit. Brag him up. Okay, well, he's a command sergeant major, and I get to hear a lot about his work and a lot about his work ethic and how he likes to treat his um, his team. He mm-hmm. says he tries to uh, create almost like an, uh, a safe, equalized environment where they can all learn from each other and where he can learn from his his team. So he's not just the boss in command. He gets to bounce ideas off of them and uh, more of a teamwork rather than a, a boss. So you've got a great example right there, and it's so practical, right, That the way that your dad uh, values people. He doesn't run roughshod over them, like the passage I read about lording it over them. It doesn't sound like he's going to, I mean, even though he's in a top-down kind of environment, the military, right? Like, there's a chain of command. He doesn't take advantage of that chain of command, right? That's he what I'm he hearing. Does, yeah, he doesn't take advantage of it. Okay. Yeah, and you can use that in your own life because you're going to be a tremendous leader. And when you have those observations of other people, then you can learn from those too, like your dad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, great. Hey, we've been talking about leadership and the importance of leadership 
in all aspects of our lives. And uh, with this podcast, we hope that you can take some of these things to heart and that you might apply them into your own life as a leader. Grace and peace to you.